This is BC Worldwide, a podcast of overseas instruction and counseling. We report on the biblical counseling movement around the world, and I'm your host, Andrew Rogers. Last episode, we began the discussion of what is biblical counseling. We had the wonderful privilege of speaking with Dr. Stuart Scott, John Street, and Bob Somerville. And we spoke about that question, just what is biblical counseling? And these men in particular were chosen, and I sat down with them because these men God has used in a tremendous way to shape my life, my pastoral ministry, and my understanding of biblical counseling. And so today we just want to continue that discussion in part two of what is biblical counseling. Okay, so, so we're kind of talking about some of the essentials of biblical counseling, some of what makes it unique and the purpose. Um, so John, could you talk to us a little bit about who should do it? Who should do it and where should it take place? Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, in order for a person to really be um, a biblical counselor, you've got to be a believer. Mm-hmm. You have to be transformed. Um, there, um, it's not as if that an unbeliever can't use the truths of the Word of God, and it's not as if some of those truths can't help to externally clean up the lives of other people. But there's no true transformation. Uh, In other words, sometimes we say, if you try to um, take an unbeliever and bring the word of God to bear upon that unbeliever's life, then you may be able to clean up a few things in their marriage or get them to stop swearing as much or stop cursing as much, that kind of thing. But all you've really done is you've made him a really good Pharisee. Because mm-hmm. now he believes in his own strength, he believes in his own righteousness, that kind of thing. But a true biblical counselor knows the importance of um, internal change that has to take place. And as counselors, we ultimately can't change anybody. Mm-hmm. We can't change a person, anybody. We are conduits of God's grace in a person's life in taking the Word of God and using the Word of God as effectively as possible and then letting the Spirit of God bring about the real change that needs to take place in that person's life. Mm. It it is the Spirit of God that's going to do that. So if you have a truly transformed counselor talking to a person who has genuinely been saved, and yet they're struggling in whatever area they're struggling in, whether it's with depression or anxiety or great fear issues. And by the way, a fear issue has really come up in our culture today, especially with Mm epidemics and that kind of thing mm-hmm. going on. Yeah. But when those kind of things occur, then you bring the truth of the Word of God to bear on those issues. Show them where they are lacking faith and trust in the Lord. Show them what needs to be changed. And then the Spirit of God brings about change Then it's tremendous because they, they are genuinely tra- changed for all the right reason. And then they of course, their external, their behavior changes, their attitude changes, but it changes for all the right reasons mm. because they are genuinely committed to following what the truth of the Word of God says. That That's what the Spirit of God in them wants to happen. Now, in fact, we were just talking about just a little bit ago um, the fact that I, I think that uh, Stuart was talking about the fact that you can see a shift of biblical counseling towards dealing only with suffering people. Mm. All right, when when you have that kind of thing shift, where there's an overemphasis on one area there, where you can overemphasize sin or you can overemphasize suffering. But if you go over overemphasize suffering, then that negates the gospel. Mm. Why does that negate the gospel? Well, because 
if all you're doing is talking about suffering, then we're all just victims. Yeah. We're victims of everything that's happened in this world. And certainly we can be receptors of wrong things that people have done, but then we decide how we're going to respond to that. Mm -hmm. But when we are victims all the time, then that takes out of the discourse and out of the rhetoric among Christians terms like repentance, contrition, atonement, forgiveness. If we're always victims, mm -hmm. th that's no longer talked about anymore. It seems like right. you just took out all the elements of the gospel. Yeah, mm. that's exactly right. Yeah. And you've taken out all the elements of the gospel to that particular mm. point. And now all you're talking about is look how uh, my circumstances or other people have victimized me. No, but even when I'm victimized, I'm a chooser. Mm. I choose how I'm going to respond to that in my heart, in my attitudes, in my thought life. And I have to be responsible even for those choices. When you're dealing with someone who's been physically or sexually abused, I, I just got off the phone yesterday dealing with a pastor who actually called me that had a really bad um, situation occur in their church with a young girl being sexually abused, not by somebody in the church, but by a distant relative. Mm -hmm. And when those kind of things happen... When I work with a young girl that, that that's happened to, and I sit down, rather than kind of in the way the therapeutic community, community would do, they would re-victimize her. When you sit down and, and, and help her to understand from, from the Bible and help her parents understand that, hey, we live in a sinful world, and because of that, people are going to do sinful things, and they're going to do sinful things to us, and they're going to be ungodly things, and sometimes they can be hurtful things, um, I have found that kids respond to they're incredibly resilient. Oh, yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. And the question is not why do these things happen to me so much as why don't they happen more often given the biblical worldview that we have mm -hmm. that goes on. We live in a sinful world, but by the grace of God, you know, we would all be going through the same thing. Mm -hmm. And there is a sense in which everybody, by God's providence and standard, is taken through times of difficulty and suffering and we have to suffer at the hands of what other people have done. Yeah. Ungodly people or even well-intentioned Christian people. So basic elements, again, for who should be doing it would be yeah. all believers. Yeah. Uh, and so that kind of comes into play with what, Bob, you had brought up with Ephesians 4. Because mm -hmm. the, right. the fundamental work of ministry that we're trained to do is speak the truth in love. Right. Uh, and that's how God uses people to do that, to build up the church, right. to grow up into the full stature and maturity of Christ. Right. So <clears throat> there's, there's a sense that we depend on the Lord. He's the one who qualifies us. It's his word that certainly gives us what is sufficient and necessary for our counseling. Right. And can I jump in on that one other thing, too? Yeah, absolutely. There was one other thing, too, I want to say. Not only must that person be a Christian, but they have to be well-schooled in what the Word of God says. Yeah. All right? And they've got to be able to use it and handle the Word of God in a proper way. Second uh, Timothy 2.15, you know, uh, we, we're supposed to study the Word of God and be competent at cutting it straight mm -hmm. so that people understand exactly how the Word of God meets their problem. It's that intersection between that person's problem and the truth of the Word of God that real transformation takes place. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. That's a great transition to my question um, to you guys was going to be the area of, so how important is training? So, so obviously I'm a, I'm a, I, I've somewhat been a glutton for that. Um, so, you know, I've sat for hours with you guys. You've sat for hours being trained. And even to this day, as you all stand here as trainers, you still sit yourself underneath 
the ongoing preaching and teaching of the word, the ongoing preaching and even teaching of others through conferences and other things of that nature. So how important is training? Well, I would, I would take off of that and say that we're, we're kind of right back to the beginning. <clears throat> what is the purpose of the Christian life? To be conformed to the image of Christ. Hmm. What does Isaiah say about Jesus? Uh, Isaiah 9, 6. He is the wonderful counselor. Hmm. Therefore, if I'm going to be like Jesus, I have to learn about how to give wonderful counselor, counsel to others. Yeah. How do I learn that? Well, then I've got to know his word. And I did a study where I, I said, okay, well, what did the word counsel mean when Isaiah used it in Isaiah? So in Isaiah 40, 13 and 14, I found these, uh, this verse, who has directed the spirit of the Lord or as his counselor has informed him? With whom did he consult? And who gave him understanding? And who taught him in the path of justice? And who taught him knowledge and informed him of the way of understanding? And chapter 41, verse 28 says, But when I look, there is no one, there is no counselor among them who, if I ask, can give an answer. And the synonyms are, if you're going to counsel, you have to give direction, you have to inform, you have to give consultation, you have to give understanding, you've got to teach justice. You have to inform with regards to knowledge. You've got to give a good answer. Mm-hmm. Well, all of that means I, I need to realize that as a, as a believer who has called to be a disciple, mm-hmm. that I'm actually called to be a counselor, whether I like it or not. And the fact is we all give it. If yeah. I'm a dad, I give counsel to my kid. Mm-hmm. If I'm an employee, I'm, I'm counseling the fellow employee about how to do his job. Uh, and uh, we're all counseling. And... Counseling is simply in-depth discipleship, mm-hmm. and uh, that purpose in there. So I've got to study the Word and grow in that ability and learn how to share it effectively with others. Mm-hmm. And that's why, again, it's good to have training in terms of just exactly how to do that. How do yeah. I take a passage like Ephesians mm-hmm. and learn what is the pattern for change, and then how do I help someone see that for themselves mm-hmm. and apply the word and ask God to change their heart. And again, I still would go back to, I remember one lady who I asked her if she would sit in on the counseling session. She said, well, I'm not called to be a counselor, Pastor Bob, but I'll sit in with you. And as soon as we did it once, she said, well, Bob, again, the words, I could do this. And I said, yes, because it's just showing them from the word and that humbles us mm-hmm. because it's God does the work in their hearts mm-hmm. and it's the gospel in Jesus Christ are hidden the treasures of wisdom and knowledge mm-hmm. so if I get to learn okay Jesus was tender how do I learn to be tender he was compassionate how do I learn compassion he gave wise counsel he he knew they were trying to trick him and he said oh well give me a coin let me see whose image is on it oh yeah we'll pay to Caesar what's Caesar's and <laughs> give to God what's God yeah. And I can learn from that. Okay, there are times when I have to be wise. Why is he asking the question? Yeah. And get to his heart issue and deal with that. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah, Andrew, I think a, a <coughs> verse that we all is near and dear to us when it comes about training uh, was when Paul wrote Romans fifteen fourteen, mm-hmm. and he penned that to all the Roman believers. Yeah. And he said, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. Hmm. And that filled means to be under the dominating control of God's word. It's, it's 
uh, biblical counseling is it's built on theology, mm-hmm. not psychology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So after this is 15, you know, in the first 14 chapters is a whole lot of deep theology of the yeah. gospel of yeah. Christ. So it, and then living it out, you know, full of goodness is you're trying to live out what the scriptures say. And then that allows you to be confident. It doesn't mean you're, you've arrived. Right. Mm-hmm. Paul said, I've not arrived, right, in yeah. Philippians. So right. it, we're constantly learning growing in our theology mm-hmm. of scripture and, and and then passing that on and encouraging everyone at different levels you know you have the elders you have the Titus 2 uh, more gifted more experienced uh, the older teaching the younger and then you have all believers practicing the one another's so at every level mm-hmm. uh, yeah. there should be a training and becoming more skilled right. at knowing scripture seeking to apply it and then able to help one another Mm-hmm. And do you think that comes with, I mean, when I recognize I'm responsible for something, then I'm a lot more motivated mm-hmm. and eager right. to do that. Uh, and so I think there's a, a word, good word, I think, for all of us as believers in general, mm-hmm. regardless of the role you might be playing in a church. I'm responsible yeah. to speak the truth and love to those around me. Um, and even as Paul says in Colossians 3, let the word of God dwell. Mm-hmm. You know, again, we need a good southerner to translate that for us because it is plural. <laughs> you know, so let the word of God dwell within all y'all, yeah. right? Um, and, and then gives us the practice. Yeah. How is the word of God actually dwelling among us? Yeah. And it's because it's central to everything we're doing. Mm-hmm. It's central to our worship. It's central to our corporate time. Mm-hmm. It's central to our ministries, whether they be men's ministries, women's ministries, life groups, small groups, so on and so yeah. forth. Yeah. And it's essential then to our personal one-on-one relationships with one another and helping them guide and direct and, yeah. and so forth. Um, and as such, it's, it's then an expression of our love mm-hmm. uh, for the Lord and, and mm-hmm. for others, which pretty much, mm-hmm. no matter what we deal with, yeah. right. is always going to come back mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. Um, are you loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul? And are you loving others as yourself? Yeah. So. Training is so vitally important, getting the right kind of training in the Word of God because we are all living in an ungodly world mm-hmm. that is constantly educating us in the opposite direction. Yeah. That's, that's the, our mindsets are not a biblical mindset because the world is informing us about all the wrong things. So in the training, you've got to be, in a sense, um, reprogram your thinking away from a secular view of anthropology, like view of man, Mm -hmm. to a biblical view of anthropology. Mm -hmm. That is, what what is man? Who is he? We're not evolved animals, Mm -hmm. you know, And, and yet that's an assumption that all psychology works on. That we're evolved animals, we're just advanced animals. Uh, the fact that the Bible says that we have two parts, we have a body and we have a spirit or soul. All right. Uh, the soul is basically that intangible part of man that's in contact with the body. The spirit is that intangible part of man out of contact with the body. So we, we have two parts. Nowhere in the Bible does it ever say that we have a subconscious, this out of awareness area. Mm. Nowhere. There's a consciousness and unconsciousness in the Bible, but there is no subconscious. Yeah. That's a, that's a Freudian thing. That, that's a, a, an area where supposedly this out of awareness area is what is controlling everything in my life. Mm. All right? Supposedly. No, no, no. That, that, that doesn't exist. And there's nothing in the Bible that even suggests that that exists. Yeah. All right? And so training is necessary 
to get us out of that worldly kind of thinking and start to view things and circumstances purely from a biblical standpoint. That's what we need to do. And helping our counselees do that, and it's amazing how the clarity of the truth of the Word of God becomes so effective, uh, so vibrant in a person's life when all of a sudden they start viewing themselves, other people, and God the way that Scripture tells them to. All of a sudden the clarity comes where previously they were in such confusion before, but that's when their mind is changing as a result of the truth of the Word of God. Well, in order to guide a person in that direction, you've got to be well-trained in biblical theology, in hermeneutics, that is, how to study the Bible well, contextually, in order to deliver the goods. Yeah. I've heard you said, and I say it often, you know, our counsel is only as good as it is biblical. This is BC Worldwide, a podcast of overseas instruction and counseling. You can learn more about the biblical counseling movement around the world at bcworldwide.org. If you'd like to know more about the ministry of OIC, go to our website, discoveroic.org. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you'd like to receive regular updates on God's grace through biblical counseling, please sign up to be an OIC insider by clicking the pray button on our website. Lastly, will you consider giving? giving to the efforts of OIC to train biblical counseling trainers around the world? If so, you can give electronically through our website by clicking the Give button. Well, I'll share with you more about God's grace next time at BC Worldwide.